Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you've joined us today. Glad uh, you're here to study the Bible with us. Uh, most of you know what the program is about, but just in case we've got a new viewer, let me explain what we do. Uh, we answer Bible questions. The goal of the program is to help people know their Bible, and we found that's a great way to do it is just open up the field to questions, and there's a phone number and a website you can see on the screen. Use those anytime. Uh, let us know what you'd like us to talk about. And we get real detailed questions sometimes. We get general questions. Uh, we get life and current event kind of questions that somebody wants to know. What's the Bible say about that topic? Uh, we'll try to find an answer to any of those kind of questions. But uh, we just like to study the Bible. And we're going to do that for the next 30 minutes. Uh, me and Toby Levering are going to do that. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm Steve Tandy, and we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can today. Uh, always have one for our viewers first. Just give you a little bit of test on your Bible knowledge. Joseph had 11 brothers. Who was the baby brother? Who was his youngest brother? And we'll give you an answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know about Joseph's family. All right, looks like I drew the first one today, and it's about money. The viewer says, I know what the Bible says about tithing, uh, but what's the required amount today? Well, uh, that's good that our viewer knows what tithing is. Uh, tithing is 10% is what that word means. And in the Old Testament, uh, the people of God were commanded uh, to give a tithe to take 10% of their crops, 10% of their income. If they were a merchant, 10% uh, of all the sales, uh, they took that and gave it to the priests. It supported the priests and the tabernacle and the temple and all of that uh, and was an offering to God. And it was the first 10%, by the way, was how that worked. So that's what a tithe is. Our viewer says, I know that. But what's the required amount today? And our viewer may have noticed that the New Testament doesn't say we're supposed to tithe. The New Testament says just give, but it doesn't give a number. And that's the answer. There is no required amount today. And some people probably think, oh, there's no required amount? Great, then I can give as little as I want. And other people might think there's no requirement? Great, that means there's no limit. I can give as much as I want. Well, that's two different attitudes. And the Bible does talk about the attitude of giving. Uh, while there's no requirement, uh, the Bible does, in the New Testament, talks about what we call free will offering. You decide what you want to give. Now, there's some principles. Uh, let's put some of those on the screen and look at them. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says uh, we're supposed to give as we've been prospered in keeping with your income. 
So a person that makes a lot of money ought to give more money than somebody that makes a little bit of money. Now, obviously, if we still had the tithing rule, 10% of a lot is more than 10% of a little. So you can figure the percentage the way you want. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 says, give in rich <coughs> generosity. Well, that kind of opens it up, doesn't it? doesn't mean you can give as little as you want. It means think about being very generous. And 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8, here's a key. It says you're supposed to excel in the grace of giving. Now, if you think about that, that means that you're supposed to get better in the grace of giving. Uh, you're supposed to give more and more as you grow in that grace, as you mature as a Christian, as you understand that God blesses us uh, as we give. You can't outgive God. Uh, verse says, man sows a little bit, he'll reap a little bit. Sows a lot, he'll reap a lot. Uh, the more mature Christian starts to understand that and figure out, I can't outgive God, so I'm just going to keep giving more. And the Bible says there's a joy in giving. Uh, it's supposed to be a joyous thing. So it's a learning process. Uh, there's no limit on it. There's no requirement, as our viewer calls it. Uh, free will giving and get better at it and test God and find out that you can't outgive him. So uh, that's the rule on giving today. All right. <laughs> the next question a viewer wants to know about is when is your name written in the book of life? At birth or when you're saved? Uh, well, the term book of life is referred to a few times and actually only twice in the New Testament outside of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is where it's found mostly, and it's kind of an interesting uh, thought to us that there might be some sort of ledger up in heaven, up in the celestial area where our names are written or not written, and this comes from uh, the picture that Revelation gives us. And I want to remind folks when you're reading Revelation that it is a picture, it's a vision, uh, that not everything in it was meant to be taken literally. There was meaning behind the picture. Uh, we've had people ask before, is there a literal book of life? Well, I'm not sure there's a literal book of life, a uh, physical book, uh, because heaven is a spiritual place. God himself is spirit. Um, but it, it gives us this idea that our names are known, that God knows his people, and that's uh, much of the message of the book of Revelation. In fact, of Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, uh, says this, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, the book of life is the, seems to be the set of names of the saved, of the ecclesia, the called out, those who... Uh, will live with God forever in heaven, and it seems to sort of be this holy roll call, if you will, of those who are saved by the blood of the Lamb of God. Um, it's mentioned in a few other places, as I said, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, uh, Revelation 13, verse 8, Revelation 20, verse 12, Revelation 21, verse 27, and the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. Um, I don't, in direct answer to your question, believe that this, uh, when your name is put in there, is uh, done when you're born. I uh, 
Jesus was very clear in John chapter 3 when he was talking to Nicodemus that being born is a far different thing from being reborn. And everyone's born, uh, but not everyone is reborn. And uh, Jesus made that abundantly clear in John chapter 3. I believe that a person's name is written in the book of life is when they are in Christ, when they have faith in Christ, and when they are immersed into His name for the forgiveness of their sins, when they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But we need to remember that in the context of Revelation, uh, many of those things are not a literal, but a picture that reminds us that we're known by God and that He knows those who are His. Uh, Let me tell you about how to get into the book of life. According to Mark chapter 16, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, Uh, brought to life, you might think, might say, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Uh, We want to make sure that everyone's name is in the book of life, and if you're unsure, I'd encourage you to uh, study your Bible and sign up for the Bible Correspondence Course. We'll show you the scriptures that tell you how. All righty. Thank you, Toby. Uh, interesting question. Someone told me that originally Jews were black and that Jews today are not real Jews. Uh, I said that's an interesting question. Actually, I considered, thought about whether to even put it on the air or not because, uh, and I finally decided to put it on so that I could give you a little warning. Uh, be kind of leery when anybody's teaching a religious doctrine or something, and it's got a whole lot to do with the color of people. Uh, Usually there's kind of a bad (laughs) place that's going to end up. Uh, A lot of the talk about what color this race was or all of this tied into Genesis or anywhere else in the Bible, uh, there's some kind of supremacist group that's pushing something. And I know that's kind of a general warning, but the Bible just doesn't talk much about the color of people. Uh, The Bible talks about one race, actually, the human race, and the differences between people in the Old Testament and the discrimination against uh, some groups were, were not to do with color. It was to do with the religious background of them. Uh, God commanded uh, pagans to not marry, or Jews not to marry pagans, not because of the color of their skin, uh, but because of their religious beliefs. And they would lead you off unto false gods and all that. So the Bible doesn't talk about color of people much at all. Uh, But I did do a little research on this what this person had heard, and yes, there's some teaching out there on the Internet. Of course, there's teaching on the Internet about any crazy thing you want, uh, but there is some teaching out there about the original Jews were from more from Africa, and they were darker than uh, Jews are today and all that. Uh, the Jewish people came from the area of Israel, Palestine, Syria, Lebanon, in that area, so they were darker-skinned than white people, uh, but they weren't as dark as African people. Uh, That's where the Jewish nation was from. Now, today, uh, Judaism, of course, is a religion, not a bunch of tribes, uh, not located in one area, so a Jew can be any color today, uh, can ascribe to the uh, Jewish religion. Uh, But I would discount... uh, 
that theory and not worry about it too much. Uh, the Jews were a chosen race, uh, chosen by God, began with Abraham, and then after the New Testament came into effect, they were, uh, well, we don't need to go into all that, but the color is not a matter, not, not anything we need to worry about. All right, let's talk about a good way to study the Bible, and we enjoy studying the Bible with you and answering a few of your questions each week. But there's a lot more in the Bible than we'll ever get to on this program in our lifetime. So we advocate home Bible study. We think it's a great thing to do and helps you know your Bible better. Uh, we've got some tools that we offer you each week. Great way to study the Bible. Here's one set of lessons that we start with usually. Uh, starts with the Old Testament and the New Testament. you got to understand those two basic differences. Then we've got some advanced courses that we'll send you after that. And we've recently added some online courses that we think are a great addition, a good way to study the Bible. Uh, Oneway.worldbibleschool.org. Try that and it'll give you a place to sign up. Uh, you can begin studying today on your tablet, on your personal computer, on your cell phone, and just study the Bible that way without mailing papers back and forth. Of course, we've still got paper lessons. Happy to send those to you. And we'll pay the postage both ways, so it's all free to you. But some people would rather study online. Good way to do that. Respond to that website or use the phone number and website on your screen. Tell us you'd like a free Bible course. We'll get it set up for you. The viewer has a question about gambling. Is it okay to spend money to gamble in a casino? Well, uh, I can't specifically point out a book, chapter, and verse reference that addresses Gambling or even casinos, for that matter. Um, gambling has probably been around for a long time. Casinos, a more recent invention. Uh, so what we have to do here is think and use some principles that we have in Scripture uh, to guide us. And and we got to use the Bible like that. Not every single issue that you'll face was something that the Holy Spirit guided uh, those men to write about and address. But he did give us all the principles we need for life and godliness, and those are certainly found within the Scriptures. In uh, 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is addressing a church that has a... they've come out of a lot of worldliness. And uh, they're not speaking about gambling specifically, but they've, they've written this phrase to Paul, which he quotes a couple of times in the letter... He said, uh, the phrase is, I have the right to do anything. And that was their attitude, that they were in Christ, they were free, they could live as they wanted to. And Paul's trying to correct them that, yes, they do have freedom, but to not use their freedom in a way that displeases God. Uh, he said, not everything, you have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Uh, you have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Uh, so we have to ask ourselves on an issue that Scripture doesn't direct, address directly, is this something that's beneficial? Uh, is this something that's constructive? Is this something that is wise? So let's think about that for just a little bit. When you go to a casino to gamble, uh, do you think that the casino wants you there out of the goodness of their heart? 
Uh, they just have built that uh, huge facilities and spend millions of dollars on the facilities and signage and advertising. Why do you think they want you there? Just to, to entertain you so that you'll have a good time? Uh, no, I, that would be a pretty poor business model. What they want to do is take advantage of people, and that's how the house always wins. That's why the odds are always in their favor. Uh, sadly, the, the, the difficult part about this is that casinos and the gambling industry takes advantage of, of the poor and largely the uneducated. Uh, when you look at where uh, gambling happens and uh, people that participate in it, it's largely participated in by people who cannot afford to do it. But because they think that's their only way, they participate in this rigged system. It's a terribly oppressive system on the poor. So if you have any concern for the poor and the disadvantaged, uh, not only uh, should you not gamble, but you should, when you gamble, you're supporting that system that perpetuates taking advantage of people. Uh, it takes advantage of people who are naive. Um, I have little children, and there was a time in their life when I could have said, hey, how about I, I make a trade with you? How about if I give you two quarters and you give me one dollar? Uh, that's a good trade, two for one, right? Well, in their naivety, they would say, yeah, that's a good trade because they don't understand the value. And when you participate in gambling and you go to the casinos, you're, you're, even if you're aware of what's happening, you're uh, supporting a system that takes advantage of people. Uh, the biggest problem, I think, is it exhibits poor financial stewardship. Uh, God has given you the money that you have. It's really not yours. It's, it's God's, and he's given it to you to manage. And when you gamble it, uh, you are mismanaging God's money. Um, people, some, people, some people say, well, that's my amusement. That's my entertainment. I, I have never found losing money to be entertaining. And in truth, I don't think God f treats it as entertaining when you uh, treat the blessings that he's given you haphazardly. Uh, so we should take our stewardship seriously. And, of course, the, 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 probably the biggest one, and Jesus himself warned about this, is this greed. Uh, what you're really doing is not being entertained. You're banking on just this minute possibility that you might win the big jackpot, that you might get a whole lot of something for doing a whole lot of nothing. And Jesus warned against that. In fact, let's look at this verse on the screen. Jesus said, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So, I don't think gambling is appropriate, beneficial, constructive, or wise. Uh, I think the scriptures point that out clearly. All right. I'm betting you don't buy a lot of lottery tickets. You would be correct. <laughs> You're so logical and reasonable. <laughs> I, I was uh, had a question about that once, and I got interested, and so I got to looking on the web, uh, Internet, trying to find out how the Kansas lottery worked mm -hmm. and what the rules were. And the financial statement, that's really hard to find, by mm -hmm. the way. But anyhow, I dug deep enough that I finally found the law, and the law says that the lottery, Kansas lottery system has to pay out, I think it was 57% of the money they take in in prizes. Oh, wow. That's the, yeah. the rule. So when I talk to kids about it or something, I say, I got a deal for you. I say, you give me a dollar, I'll give you 57 cents every time. You know, <laughs> I, I guarantee you I'll give you 57 cents for every dollar. Yeah. You can give me a thousand dollars, I'll give you 570. That's a pretty you know? good trade for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> nope, doesn't make much sense, but uh, 
probably not a good idea for Christian and Christian influence too. Yep. All right, question about uh, defending your home or country. What verses justify defending your home or country? And let me say before I answer this one, I understand the the pacifist mentality. I understand the reasoning. Uh, Jesus did say to turn the other cheek and, and all of that. So I know that there are some people that take a uh, position as a pacifist that we shouldn't. Uh, defend. We shouldn't fight for our country. We shouldn't defend our homes. Uh, we should turn the other cheek. And I understand that. Uh, I don't think it's uh, uh, the way the overall Bible teaches, but uh, I understand somebody taking that position and respect them if they can do that. But here are the, some verses that are traditionally used to uh, justify self-defense or fighting for a country. Uh, Luke 22, uh, Jesus was telling his apostles that he was leaving and they were going to have to go out into dangerous places. And he told them, he said, if you don't have a sword, get one. Uh, well, that can be interpreted. Uh, you're going to have to defend yourselves. Uh, yes, when a, a enemy of some sort uh, persecutes you because of Christ, uh, turn the other cheek. But there's bad people out there. Uh, there's criminals that are hiding along the road and will kill you. So you got to defend yourself. Uh, Exodus 22, now this is in the Old Testament, but the principle that God had was that if you were defending your home, uh, somebody broke into your tent at night uh, and you killed them, you weren't guilty of bloodshed. They shouldn't have, shouldn't have been in your home. Uh, <clears throat> so the principle of self-defense is all through the Old Testament. And then Romans 13 is a good one to read because it authorizes government to punish evildoers. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the avenger, uh, the avenger of blood, had the right to defend his family. If somebody killed my wife, I had the right to go find that person and kill them. Uh, in the New Testament, that authority, that responsibility has been given to government. And if you read Romans 13, it says that the government is supposed to protect innocent people well, and punish the evildoer. They do that uh, by having policemen, by having soldiers to defend our country. And the question is, can a Christian serve as a police officer, as a soldier? Uh, and I believe that overall, that's, well, I'm believe it's an individual decision, but yes, I believe Christians can do that. But those are the verses. That's what our voice viewer wanted to know, what justifies it. Uh, Romans 13 defends armies and police forces. Uh, the old principle of self-defense, uh, I think, still is in effect. So uh, those are some of the verses. Let me take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we are supported by the Churches of Christ and kept on the air. You may notice we never ask for money on this program. Uh, the reason is there's some good folks like the Church of Christ in Augusta and the one at East Point on uh, the east side of Wichita. Uh, help us stay on the air. We appreciate them and all the other folks that do help us stay on the air. Uh, if you live out east of Wichita and Augusta or on the east side, uh, visit one of those congregations. You'll find some great folks there that think and study a lot like we do about the Bible on this program, and you'd be warmly welcomed. Of course, any market that you're watching in, there's a Church of Christ near you. Uh, 
If you're looking for a church home, drop in sometime, see what they're about. Uh, or if you know somebody that attends a Church of Christ, tell them, hey, I was watching this program the other day called Know Your Bible, and I uh, appreciate the Churches of Christ providing that for us. So uh, visit the Church of Christ sometime. All right, Toby, what you got a question about? Uh, viewer wants to know about swearing. What does the Bible say about swearing? <clears throat> well, to answer this question, I'm going to assume that you mean using profanity uh, and not swearing an oath. That's a, a different question and subject. Um, uh, there are several verses we can read, and let's look at a couple of them. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Um, you know, James was pretty serious about it. Uh, he said that Christians ought to control what they, uh, that the, the tongue is a restless part of the body and causes a lot of trouble. So we need to keep it under control. And James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, he goes on to say, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, <clears throat> and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same pra mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear. Uh, folks who believe in Jesus uh, ought to watch their words and speak what is helpful and beneficial and builds others up and not uh, uh, engage in profanity. So if you got a trouble with that, uh, uh, ask God for some help and uh, try to uh, watch your words more carefully. All righty. Interesting question here. <clears throat> viewer says, should you dress nice for church? <clears throat> And I can answer that very easily, definitively, yes. You ought to dress nice for church. Now, the problem is, what's nice? <laughs> and that's where the disagreement comes. Uh, I understand as I answer this, I'm 70 years old. I'm old school, and things have changed a whole lot in 70 years. And not just church dress, but dress overall. People used to dress up. I know some of our younger viewers won't even believe this, uh, but some people used to dress up to go to the theater, uh, dressed up to go to the ball game. You watch old black and white films of people at uh, baseball games, all the men had on a coat and tie and a hat. Uh, that used to be the custom. When people traveled on airplanes, they dressed nicely, uh, dressed up almost in Sunday kind of clothes. Uh, now you're liable to see pajamas on an airplane. <laughs> you can see anything in the world. Um, so I'm just saying change, things have changed completely in what is nice. Now, some people still believe that dressing up, getting your Sunday best on is a sign of respect. Uh, another group says, no, it's more authentic not to dress up. Uh, God accepts you anyway. You're not looking at the outside, so it's much more authentic to worship God uh, in the casual clothes. Uh, so we're not going to settle that. The point is God doesn't say a word about it. Uh, God says, here's the clothing rule if you want it, First Peter 5, 5. First Peter 5, 5. Peter says, clothe yourselves with humility. So when you go to church, I think you ought to dress nice. Uh, and my definition of nice is from a 70-year-old perspective. Uh, but the most important thing, clothe yourself with humility. 
We're glad you've been with us today, and we're going to stop and get our trivia question answered. And it is about Joseph's youngest brother. Uh, Joseph had 11 brothers, and little baby brother was Benjamin. And uh, Joseph had a special place in his heart for Benjamin. Of course, they were from the same mother was another thing about it. But uh, that was the... Uh, uh, youngest brother of the 12 tribes. So, thank you for being with us today, and we hope you come back next week as we try to answer some more of your questions. Uh, until then, we just hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.